0: This podcast is a member of the Place to Be Nation family. Visit us at placetobenation.com. The only place to be in your pop culture world. All right, Place to Be Nation pop experience. This is the official first episode of Into the Spidey Movieverse. Greg Diener and Chico Alexander from It Was a Thing on TV with you right here as we are talking today about... The first Spider-Man movie from 2002. Best
1: senior year ever.
0: Yeah, before we get into the movie, let's talk about our memories going into this movie.
1: Oh yeah, I remember seeing this. This was actually the first movie I saw. Again, I was a senior at UNC, and it was one of the first movies that played in the just-opened Street to South Point Cinemas. It was a uh, continental. Now it's uh, now it's an AMC, of course,
0: because everything's but AMC.
1: Because everything's if it's not AMC, it's Regal. But it was the, what? But is the uh, first movie I remember seeing at the streets at South Point, and it was one of the first movies that they ever played because the place just opened. And I went there with my friends, and it was just oh oh wow! Came out of there just really enjoying, really. Just the whole newness of the theater, A. And B, because I like, I like to go into new places. What can I say? And B, the movie itself was pretty good. So,
0: Oh, yes. I did not see this in the theater, unfortunately. I do remember the movie getting tons of attention and tons of hype when it came out. So I didn't get the movie until it came out on DVD. Actually, I was going to get the movie for Christmas, but... I don't know why, but I think my mom gave it to me like after Thanksgiving early for some reason. I was so excited and couldn't wait to actually see the movie. So she was like, okay, you can just have the movie now. I'm like, okay. And I watched the movie and it was great. And this was around the time when I was working at Blockbuster this would have been probably, like, when I was 18 years old and I'd just gotten a job there. I remember, like, there was so much hype around the DVD release of Spider-Man. I remember if you, like, pre-ordered the movie on DVD, you'd get, like, a rental card. And you'd get, like, a free movie rental for, like, 10 weeks.
1: This was back when Blockbuster was still a thing.
0: Yeah, Blockbuster was still king around 2002. And also, every Blockbuster had a contest where you'd have a giant... Life-size Spider-Man that you could win.
1: Now, is this, this a cardboard cutout or a... no?
0: This is like a this is a giant life-sized, like stuffed model of Spider-Man. I
1: was I was about to say, is it, is it like is it a cardboard cutout or a mannequin with a suit on it or?
0: It's kind of a mannequin with a suit on it. All right, I'm sharing the screen so Chico can see it right here on Zoom. But there it okay. is right here. Look at that. That's okay. exactly the Spider-Man from the 2002 movie.
1: I wonder if anyone ever tried to uh, take that apart just so I... they could have the suit.
0: Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's stuck onto the suit. I don't know. I can't see how you could take it off that mannequin. I don't it's...
1: see it either. I mean, that is... They don't have a picture of the uh, reverse of the statue, do they?
0: No. Oh, oh but well. you can see it's a, it's a limited edition of four thousand, and the one we're looking at eBay is three thousand seven hundred seventeen, and just so you know, the um, item is worth eight hundred dollars on eBay, and if you want to pick this up, you can't ship it because it's free local pickup in Newark, Illinois, so you'd have to get a U haul truck to Illinois to get it. Whoops. Well, that's the giant Spider Man life size statue. From Blockbuster. That
1: is very giant.
0: It is very giant. But okay, let's get into the first Spider-Man movie. Now, before shooting began on the Spider-Man movie. Now, we did not include this in our pilot episode regarding unused adaptations of Spider-Man, but we figured we might as well mention it. Yeah. One director who was considered for Spider-Man was David Fincher.
1: Of the uh, social network.
0: Yes, and Case of Benjamin Button and um, mm-hmm. Alien 3. Although he doesn't want to admit he directed Alien 3. Who does? The only, no. the
1: only good thing about Alien 3 was the video game.
0: Yeah, pretty much. Well, in a 2011 Collider article, Fincher revealed his big issue with the Spider Man character and why his movie idea for Spider Man never got put together. Quote, my impression what of what Spider-Man could be is very different from what Sam Raimi did or what Sam wanted to do. I think the reason he directed that movie was because he wanted to do the Marvel Comics superhero. I was never interested in the Genesis story. I couldn't get past a guy getting bit by a red and blue spider That was a problem. It was not something that I felt that I could do straight faced. I wanted to start with Gwen Stacy and the Green Goblin, and I wanted to kill Gwen Stacy. And Fincher goes on about how he would have set up Gwen Stacy's death by saying, the title's sequence of the movie that I was going to do was going to be a 10-minute, basically a music video, an opera, which was going to be the one shot that took you through the entire Peter Parker backstory, bit by the radioactive spider, the death of Uncle Ben, the loss of Mary Jane, and the movie was going to begin with Peter meeting Gwen Stacy. It was a very much a different thing. It wasn't the teenager story. It was more of the guy who settled into being a freak.
1: Yeah, in other words, he wanted to do the amazing Spider-Man, but we'll get there.
0: Yeah, we'll get there. That's not for another decade down the line, but yeah. There you go. So, eventually Sony would settle on their director for Spider-Man, and that would be the man behind the Evil Dead franchise himself, Sam Raimi. Yep.
1: I and... was going to say I was going to say was he the one who did uh the Hercules series, but then I remember that's a different Raimi.
0: No, he did. He did the uh, Hercules. I, I knew that name sounded familiar. He was responsible for Hercules and Xena and everything. And not his first rodeo with the superhero genre, because he did the movie Darkman for Universal back in 1990.
1: Back when I was a little Chico.
0: So you have your director now. So who are you going to get to play The character of Peter Parker
1: could have gotten anybody in that role. In fact, I think I have a list of all the people that they were trying to get. They wanted, okay, they wanted Scott Speedman, who would have been doing Felicity at that time.
0: Yeah, I don't see it.
1: Yeah, they wanted Jay Roden. If I'm not who that be, I have no idea who that guy be. He does he even he does have an IMDb page, but it is very very limited he he is known for uh he is known for a few features in his native south africa but the more substantial entry he has was of uh as a regular on season five of footballers wives
0: oh my god footballers wives
1: yeah and they also had james franco oh yeah But those were the people who graduated to screen tests. More on the short list were Leonardo DiCaprio, Freddie Prinze Jr., Chris Klein, Wes Bentley, and Heath Ledger.
0: Oh yeah, Heath Ledger. Because he was just starting out at the time with A Knight's Tale and Tencent Blade About You.
1: And Wes Bentley, this was like a decade before his star turn in uh, The Hunger Games.
0: He would have been coming off American Beauty at
1: this time, if I'm not mistaken
0: yes but they did eventually settle on somebody
1: yeah they did some guy named toby Maguire. you may have heard of him unless you were to say to me hey he did great scott for fox in 1992 oh that guy
0: what can we say about toby Maguire in this role
1: i personally think he nailed it down
0: oh yes i think he did and then you get to the villain of this movie the green goblin
1: Yeah, uh, Green Goblin. Interesting thing about this movie, they first wanted a prosthetic. A facial prosthetic. What? Yeah, they wanted the Green Goblin to be a Green Goblin. They wanted it to be more attuned to the uh, comic books. And a company named Amalgamated Dynamics uh, was brought on to use to uh, create this prosthetic for the Green Goblin. It, uh... Did not work well, so ultimately they decided to go with the um, costume that they ultimately went with.
0: Yeah, they made him look like a Power Rangers villain.
1: Hi, Weird Al, how are you doing?
0: And then you get to Mary Jane Watson.
1: And Mary Jane was played, uh, of course, she was played by Kirsten Dunst. Kate Bosworth had auditioned for the role. But he wanted Alicia Witt.
0: Sam who... Raimi wanted Alicia Witt.
1: Yeah, who that, of course that would have been perfect. Oh, uh, you're just saying that because she was on Twin Peaks.
0: Well that and also she has she's a redhead like Mary Jane. Oh
1: yeah. That oh yeah. That works too, of course. They wanted Kate Bosworth, Alicia Witt. Ultimately they uh, went to Kirsten Dunst. Because she decided to audition after learning McGuire Toby McGuire had been cast because the film would have like a more independent feel, and she earned the role a month before shooting in an audition in Berlin.
0: And then of course you get Peter's best friend in Harry Osborne, played by James Franco.
1: Yep, who of course auditioned for Spider-Man himself. I'm looking at James Franco and I'm thinking to myself yeah, he's a Spider Man. Remember, Spider Man has to be uh there there it's like He has to be like I... a,
0: he has to be scrawny.
1: Thank you. I was like I was looking for a diplomatic way of putting that.
0: But also, remember, two thousand two, James Franco is just coming off a little show on NBC called Freaks and Geeks. And man, was that show like considering all the people that were on that show
1: Oh god, that was that was like you're talking about This is how everybody sort of got their uh, feet wet in Hollywood.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. But not to mention, speaking of, two of his co-stars on Freaks and Geeks actually come up on this podcast later on. I won't spoil it for you, but stay tuned for a future episode down the line when we talk about two of those cast members. Yeah. Okay. So... We have our cast, and now we get into the plot of the movie.
1: And of course, because this is the first movie, this is basically your blanket origin story. It's Like, this is how Peter Parker became your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. And if you know anything about the origin story from the comics, and again, it's just scrawny teenager goes on a field trip and gets bitten by a radioactive spider.
0: Yeah, because... When we first meet Peter Parker, he's, like, being bullied on the bus. Yeah. And he wants to get the attention of Mary Jane, who just, she, like, sympathizes with Peter, poor Peter, but she's not going to give him, like, the time of day or whatever, because he's, he's geeky. No, she's not. And then we meet Harry and Norman Osborn, and then Harry introduces Peter to Norman Osborn. And Norman delivers a line that I think is one of the most "what the f" lines in the entire series. Right? Harry tells me you're a scientist. You know, I'm something of a scientist myself. What? (laughs) Yeah, was he trying to think that he was going to be impressed by it? What? Uh no. But then we get into the field trip where they're at this place where spiders are. Are they trying... of. So t-
1: they're, yeah, they're sort of developing, like, what is it? The um, the perfect silk for something? And It's here's a genetically
0: where... engineered super spider. It's not a yeah. radioactive spider. It's, it's a not genetically a... engineered super spider.
1: Yeah, that was a bit of a point of contention to a purist on this movie because... It was supposed to be a radioactive spider. But, you know, having a genetically engineered spider just makes it feel a little more current.
0: Yeah, because it's 2002. It's like, the Cold War's been over for like a decade. No one really uses, like, radioactive stuff anymore.
1: Yeah, that just seems like a relic of Cold War America.
0: So yeah, he's very ill when when he's home. Aunt May and Uncle Ben are just... Why is Peter, like, so sick? And they're like, oh, it's probably hormones or something.
1: Yeah, probably.
0: Meanwhile, at Oscorp, they're trying to test out the glider that eventually becomes the Green Goblin's glider.
1: Yeah, uh, if I'm not mistaken, the intro to the Green Goblin, somewhat similar, but less demons in my heady. Yeah. Demons in my heady. That's a word. I know words.
0: But meanwhile, we go back to Peter and he discovers, oh, my God, I totally got buff and he doesn't need glasses anymore.
1: Yep. It, it's weird. It's like, and and I'll never forget the line. I'm just getting changed.
0: <laughs>
1: A lot of change.
0: A lot of change.
1: Yep. Because, hello,
0: and he, meanwhile- he,
1: he has abs now.
0: He's got abs now. He's totally buff. However, it still doesn't give him any luck with trying to catch the school bus.
1: No, but he catches something else that day in high school. Oh, yeah. Mary Jane's lunch.
0: Oh, yeah. And I believe, didn't they try to test that out like numerous times? 158. 158 times until we got it exactly right, Toby Maguire. Yep. That is impressive. That's that- that's no cgi or anything nope that's all that's
1: all our practical effects wow great reflexes thanks
2: no problem hey you have blue eyes i i didn't notice without your glasses you just get contacts
1: Well, see ya. So, needless to say, MJ is a little bit impressed. Yeah,
0: but meanwhile, back at Oscorp, we have a situation where Norman's using performance-enhancing chemicals on himself.
1: And yeah, I this per- was meant for the military.
0: This is meant for the military. I guess, is it Norman supposed to be losing his funding or something?
1: It's like, he needs this to secure funding. If he doesn't have this... He will lose all of his funding. So, with no other choice, he decides to test it on himself. It's still very unstable, still very unsafe. Ultimately, he goes insane as a side
0: effect. He goes insane and he kills the lab assistant. And then, like, Harry finds Norman on the floor of his house. In his office or whatever, and it's like, oh, Dad. he's like on the floor, and he's like, hey, Dad, what happened? He's like, I don't know what happened, but we know what happened.
1: Yeah, he went insane and gained super abilities. It seems so like, why is everything in the Marvel Universe centered around trying to recreate Howard Stark's super serum? You ever notice that?
0: Yeah, I know. So, Peter has an encounter with Flash Thompson.
1: Flash Thompson and he was supposed to be you know, this big bully. And uh, Peter gets to jump on him. Oh, thanks yeah. to his newly discovered strength.
0: Oh, yeah. He discovers that he can just tell things that are happening beforehand. AKA, that's his spider sense.
1: Yep. And telling his story to uh, Uncle Ben. He reminds him, and he's, and this is going to be a recurring theme, with great power comes great responsibility.
2: What do we have to talk about? Why now? Because we haven't talked at all for so long. Your Aunt May and I don't even know who you are anymore. You shirk your chores. You, you have all those weird experiments in, in, your, in your room. You, you start fights at school. We I don't didn't know. start that fight. I told you that. Well, yeah, you sure as hell finished. What was I supposed to do, run away? No, no, you're not supposed to run away, but... Pete, look, you're changing. I know, I went through exactly the same thing at your age. No, not exactly. Peter, these are the years when a man changes into the man he's going to become the rest of his life. Just be careful who you change into. This guy, Flash Thompson, he probably deserved what happened. But just because you can beat him up doesn't give you the right to. Remember, with great power
1: comes great responsibility. Great power comes great responsibility, kid. Remember that. But yeah, Peter was sort of in a hurry and didn't really have time to listen to it.
0: Yeah, he's like, I I just want to bounce. Yeah. But meanwhile, Peter discovers... That he can have the ability to crawl on walls and he can jump off buildings and such. (laughs) And he discovers that he can shoot webs right out of his wrists, which is a change from the comic, I believe.
1: Yeah, that's another point of contention. When the comic book came out, he was able to shoot webs out of his wrists thanks to a device. In this particular case, it's because there's stuff Literally growing out of his hands. So there's that. It's also how he was able to catch um Mary Jane's lunch like that.
0: So Peter's like, okay, I need to get something to impress Mary Jane with. What do how about I a do? Car? Oh, a how car. How about a car? That's right. Because he goes into the classified ads. Yeah, this is 2002. This wasn't like a time when you could just go to Craigslist and find an ad for something. No, yeah. You'd have to use the classifieds to find stuff.
1: you have to use your... Bas- yeah, you basically had to go into the Daily Bugle, ironically.
0: And he also comes up with the design for his costume. Because if you're going to be a wrestler, you got to come up with a spectacular design for your costume. Oh, red, blue. Oh, it's so, so... It's sick.
1: It's so, sick.
0: So sexy. Meanwhile, back at Norman's house, he's reading the Daily Bugle. And he's still having those headaches and such. He's looking at a headline in the Daily Bugle talking about how Oscorp might lose their contract. And he's like, Ugh. Now let's get to the wrestling match. Because we, we talked about the Uncle Ben scene. So now let's yeah. get into the wrestling match.
1: So he is wrestling under the pseudonym The Human Spider. Or at least that's what he wants to be called. The promoter bills him as... Wait for it. Okay. The Amazing Spider-Man!
0: It's actually Bruce Campbell as the ring announcer who says The Amazing Spider-Man.
1: So there you go. He finds a way to use his powers to win the wrestling match. And probably in a fit of rage, the promoter decides, you know, I'm not going to pay you because you you did something. I'm not sure what you did, but you did something.
0: Oh, I know why. I think there was a certain amount of time he was supposed to beat Bonesaw McGraw in.
1: Yeah, by the way, Bonesaw McGraw, you know who plays him?
0: Oh, would that be Macho Man Randy Savage?
1: That would be Macho Man Randy Savage. What
0: are you doing up there? Staying away from you.
1: That's a cute outfit. Did your
0: husband give it to you? Yeah. Yeah, he was supposed to beat him in a certain amount of time, and I think it was because he beat him, like, a minute early or something. Yeah. That's a wrestling promoter for you, am I right?
1: Uh, yeah, but Carmel kicks in when a thief suddenly robs his office.
0: And Peter just lets him go.
1: Eh. yeah. Like,
0: that's not gonna come back to bite me later. But before we get to what happens afterwards, we forgot to mention who plays the announcer. Of the wrestling match.
1: Who plays the announcer?
0: That would be the one, the only, Bruce Campbell. So now, Peter's just walking along on the street. And then he sees a crowd gathered around somebody. Mm -hmm. He's like, "What what is this? And he finds out. Oh my god, my Uncle Ben has been shot. By a thief. By a
1: thief. It's the same guy.
0: Yeah. But we don't know that yet. So, Peter tends to his dying Uncle Ben. And so he's like, I'm gonna try to get this guy who killed my Uncle Ben. Yeah. And finds the thief, and he plummets to his death, the thief, in fear.
1: So, while all of that is going on, over at Oscorp, Norman has bound himself a set of armor and some military equipment. That he uses to become, well, the prototype of the Green Goblin.
0: Yep. And he disrupts an experiment by Osquip's corporate rival, Quest Aerospace, killing several people. And you're not going to believe this, Chico. The following day, he doesn't remember this happen at all. What? No. Aww. So, Peter, Harry and Mary Jane all graduate from high school. So they
1: graduate, and Peter decides to become Spider-Man full-time?
0: Yeah. He's just beating criminals all over the place. We see, uh, get a montage of all these crooks that are getting arrested, and we have the, all these montage of people being interviewed about what they think of Spider-Man. We'll play it right here. This is not a man. My brother saw him building a nest in the Lincoln Center Fountain.
2: I think he's human. I think he's
0: a man. Could be a woman. Bobby, get a load of this. He throws up his hands, ropes come out, and he climbs up the ropes like a spider web. I see the web, and it's his signature. And and I know Spider-Man was here. The guy protects us, you know? He protects the people some kind of freaky louis
2: something well, i could do he stinks and i don't like him don't move.
0: guy with eight hands sounds hot he has those tights and that tight little
1: dresses like a spider he looks like a bug we should all just give him one big
2: hug A lookout.
0: and by the way did you notice that one of the people being interviewed yes was lucy lawless yes i did yes because as we already mentioned xena was produced by sam raimi
1: they're good peeps
0: yes so now we go to the daily bugle where we meet jay joden jameson i want the spider-man i want pictures of the spider-man
1: you're fired wait no you're rehired. <laughs> by the way, J.J. Jameson, of course, played by the inimitable J.K. Simmons, who you would also know as the voice of Peanut in the uh, m and commercials. Yes.
0: Among other things.
1: And, of course, the head of the Farmers Institute of Insurance.
0: We are farmers. Yeah, he needs somebody to To take pictures of Spider-Man because, oh my god, we can't even get a good picture of Spider-Man.
1: Nope, he's too quick. He's too quick for ya. So, he hires who he thinks is the only person who can feasibly get a picture of Spider-Man. Peter Parker.
0: Yeah, but first he looks at all his pictures, and he's like, Crap, 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 I'll give you 300
1: There you go. And just like that, he's a photographer.
0: Yup. And of course, Peter gives his information to J. Jonah's assistant, Betty Brandt, who is played by Elizabeth Banks.
1: By now, you should know that Elizabeth Banks is in damn near everything.
0: Damn near everything. She's the friggin' host of Pressure Luck now. I mean, come on.
1: <laughs> Zack and Mary, Hunger Games.
0: Oh, she also had a taste for Krispy Kreme in the 2017 Power Rangers movie.
1: Mm, yeah, hey, after 10,000 years, you develop a taste for Krispy Kreme. Just saying.
0: But now we get to the Oscorp board who tells Norman, yeah, we're going to s- yeah, sell the company and you're gonna you're going to be gone, Norman. And he's like, I made this company. What are you doing? And then he gets all pissed. He gets all goblin y with the goblin voice and stuff. Yep. Oh, my God. And then we get to, what is it, the World Unity Fair.
1: The World Unity Fair. And it just so happens that the Oscorp board is at the World Unity Fair.
0: Yeah. And also, Harry's there with Mary Jane because I, isn't at this point Harry and Mary Jane dating? Yes. <laughs> okay. So Harry and Mary Jane are dating. Mary Jane is with Harry at the World Unity Festival, and they're wondering where Norman is. But Peter's there. He's taking pictures of the whole thing for the Daily Bugle.
1: And
0: oh uh, yeah. Oh oh, and for some reason, Macy Gray's performing at the fair. Because
1: two thousand two. Yeah. So, the World Unity Fair is going on. The Oscorp board is there, and who shows up? It's Norman. But it's not Norman. It's his crazed alter ego, the Green Goblin. Oh, yeah. Well, he... By the way, he doesn't name himself the Green Goblin. J. J. Jameson does.
0: Yeah. So he's just flying in. He's flying in, in the distance on that, on that- glider thing and they're all like what What? what the heck is that and then, and then he just he's just wreaking havoc all over the place he's just bombs 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 he kills the entire board with his pumpkin bomb
1: and Spidey comes in and thwarts him before he can kill anyone else
0: yeah and he also saves Mary Jane in the process conveniently Mm-hmm. oh and one thing I liked about this scene is all the early 2000s ish ads for companies like Palm and Singular Good Times.
1: And by the way, when is this like right before the uh, upside down kiss?
0: Yes, it's right before the upside down kiss.
1: I figured I I figured as much.
0: But Peter drops Mary Jane off and Mary Jane asks, "Who are you?" And Spider-Man says, "You know who I am." I do? Yep, your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man.
1: Nice. And that, of course, goes into The Kiss.
0: Oh, yeah, The Kiss.
1: Which, of course, because everyone and everything has tried to recreate that in 2002, whether it's on television or in real life. It's 2002, and people are fantasizing about kissing other people in the
0: rain. Upside down.
2: Upside down. Upside down.
0: Okay, so... Jay Jonah is coming up with the names for the Green Goblin.
1: And he does come up with Green
0: Goblin. But the Green Goblin then attacks the offices of the Daily Bugle. And he asks J. Jonah Jameson, who's the photographer who takes the pictures of Spider-Man? And so he just li- he's just lying about how he doesn't know who the photographer is. And then all of a sudden, conveniently, Spider-Man shows up. <laughs> And then J. Joe's like, oh, I knew you two were in this together. And Spider-Man just zips his mouth shut with his web. And then yep. Green Goblin uses like his gas to knock Spider-Man out. And then he takes him to a building in the city.
1: And, and basically offers a seat at his right hand in exchange for power or something. Yeah. Spider-Man's so basically
0: like... he wants him to be his villain sidekick. Yeah, and Spider-Man's like, no! No, that's not a good idea. But Mm -hmm. Daily Bugle has headlines about how the Green Goblin and Spider-Man attacked the Daily Bugle office. And there's headlines about how the citizens are calling for Spider-Man's arrest.
1: Yeah, because it's what 3J does. He creates another sort of superhero hype beast, basically telling everybody... He's a menace! Yeah. He's not really a menace. He's just a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man.
0: So Spider-Man, next we see him in a burning building where he encounters the Green Goblin. And so the Green Goblin's like, okay, Spider-Man, are you considering my proposal? Are you, are you in or out? And Spider-Man's like, no, I'm, I'm out. And he's like, wrong answer. So he throws a goblin bomb with like, What is it, like two knife things coming right at Spider-Man?
1: Yeah, and he uses the knives to stop the bomb, or uses the bomb to stop the knives. Okay.
0: So now, the knives do graze Spider-Man's skin. So that becomes important, because this is taking place on Thanksgiving.
1: Yeah, by the way, Norman, Harry, and Mary Jane are... Invited over for Thanksgiving by Aunt May. And it is at Thanksgiving where Norman figures out that Peter is Spider Man.
0: Because he's bleeding through his shirt. Yeah. And Norman figures out, oh, yeah, that's Spider Man. Oh,
2: uh, yeah. I, I stepped off a curb and got clipped by one of those bike messengers. Oh, let me see. Oh, my goodness. Oh, that looks awful. No, it's nothing. I'll get the first aid kit. Then we'll say, Grace, this is the boys' first Thanksgiving in this apartment, and we are going to do things properly. How did you say that happened? Bike messenger knocked me down.
1: So what do you do with all of this information? You obviously do what any supervillain does, and that is go after the people closest to him. He starts with Aunt May. Oh, no. Oh, yes. She ends up in hospital, and Mary Jane admits that she's in love with Spider-Man. Because, well, you know.
0: Well, yeah. You
1: kiss kiss a guy upside down in the rain. That's what happens. Yeah.
0: I mean, come on.
1: So, to review, Norman knows that Peter's Spider-Man. Norman attacks Aunt May. She's in the hospital. And Mary Jane, who is dating Harry at the time, admits she's in love with Spider-Man.
0: Yeah. Oh, and Harry is dumped by Mary Jane. He
1: doesn't kiss like Spider-Man. No, really. He doesn't kiss like Spider-Man. She, it's like, I remember they were talking and all of a sudden, Mary Jane says, kiss me or something to that effect. They kiss and it was nothing
0: like what happened. There you go. And Norman's like, see, I told you that broad was no good. And then, and then Norman's like, wait a minute. She's in love with, like, that Peter guy. And Harry's like, yeah. And he's like, oh, I have an idea. Oh, no. So his son, and also we, Harry does not know yet that his dad's the Green Goblin.
1: And he doesn't know that Peter Spider-Man. Harry doesn't know a damn thing right now.
0: No, he doesn't know anything. He's just, like, he's, he's, like, so dumb. You're so dumb. You are really dumb. For real. So, again, what
1: does a supervillain do with all of this knowledge?
0: Yeah, he steals Mary Jane. So Peter tries to call Mary Jane on the hospital payphone after talking to Aunt May. Oh, yeah, another very 2002 thing. Payphones? Yeah. So he tries to call Mary Jane's house, and he hears Nobody. the laugh of the goblin. Uh, oh, so now we get get into one of the climatic scenes in the movie.
1: That's Mary Jane on the Roosevelt Island trolley.
0: Yes, so on the ne- Queensboro Bridge. On the Queensboro Bridge. So now, now the Green Goblin has a dilemma for Spider-Man. You can save the one you love, but if you save the one you love, it'll come at a cost. It'll come at the expense of all these people on the other trolley car on the bridge. So now you have to make a decision. Do you want the girl or do you want to save the people? And the answer is both.
1: Yeah, I'm going to rescue both of them.
0: And he does. This was not a well thought out plan by the Green Goblin. No.
1: Everybody who had seen what Spidey did rallies to his defense, cheers him on like, Yeah, Spider-Man! And, basically, the Green Goblin is given the business for it. Yeah. This is not something you want to feel if you are a psychotic supervillain.
0: So now we get into the climatic battle in the movie, where Spider-Man and the Green Goblin have their fight in, like, an abandoned house.
1: An abandoned building. And it's just basically uh, a lighter version of the Batman v. Superman fight.
0: Yeah. Or the one from Batman 89. Yeah. With Batman and the Joker. So the Green Goblin takes his mask off to reveal he's Norman. And he's like, oh, oh, I'm sorry, Peter. I'm sorry. Oh, take my hand. Believe in me as I believed in you. Oh, I'm God. like a father to you. He's oh, like begging God. Peter. Don't do oh, it, Pete. please. Trust me. Don't trust do it, me. Pete. And Peter's like, I have a father. And his name was Ben Parker. And so Norman's his, like, his
1: father was actually Richard Parker. But don't tell anybody that.
0: Oh, no, no. But Norman goes at his fake act. And he's like, oh, Godspeed, Spider-Man. And he has one of the things with the knives on the glider. And Spider-Man's like, oh yeah, I see this is coming. And he jumps out of the way. And Roman's like, oh crap. And it kills him. It jabs him through the chest. And it kills him. With his before- own glider. His he own got glider. killed by his own glider. <laughs> but before he dies, he begs Peter, Oh, don't tell Harry. And he croaks.
1: So ultimately, Spidey takes the goblin's body. To the Osborn's house, and Harry takes a good look at him and and deduces, uh, almost 50% accurately, that Spidey killed his father.
0: So not only that, so in Harry's mind, Spider-Man has taken his girl, and he's killed his father. Yep. He is now pissed. He is. So at this funeral... Harry vows to Peter, I'm going to get Spider-Man.
1: Next time I see Spider-Man, he's dead.
0: He's effing dead. But also, Mary Jane is with Peter at the funeral.
1: And by the way, Harry also says, Mary Jane's gone. My father's dead. Pete, you're the only family I have left.
0: Oh, no, Harry. If only you knew. If only you knew.
1: That's for the sequel.
0: Yeah, and speaking of setting up for the sequel, Mary Jane has something that she's wanted to tell Peter when she was up and she thought she was gonna die. There was only one person that she was thinking of. I love you, Peter Parker. But Peter's like you'd think Peter would be happy, but he's like no. Yeah Like, no, I can't do it. Because I I'm Spider Man and I can't I can't tell her that I'm Spider Man, but I can't do this. He has so many things he wants to tell Mary Jane, but he can't. But he he says that he'll always be Mary Jane's friend.
1: Yeah, broke her heart, really. Yeah. But I can totally understand why he refuses to go through that. Because he saw what happened to Aunt May when Goblin figured out Peter Parker's Spider-Man. Doesn't want to put Mary Jane through that.
0: No, so we end the movie with Peter saying these words Whatever life holds in store for me,
2: I will never forget these words. If great power comes great responsibility, this is my gift,
0: my curse. Who am I? I'm Spider Man. And that's the end of the movie. Yep, again.
1: Very cerebral for a superhero movie, especially when you consider the last cerebral superhero movie was Batman Returns in 92.
0: So it was like a good decade. Let's get into the box office for this movie was insane. Yeah, this
1: movie was the first movie to pull a hundred was it a
0: hundred million a hundred million in its opening weekend. Yep. No, no other movies <laughs> has done that. No other movie at that time had made a hundred million dollars. Even when it adjusted weekend. for
1: inflation.
0: And it was the fastest movie at the time to get to a hundred million, two hundred million, and three hundred million. And it ultimately finished at the box office with over four Hundred million dollars and it made history because it was the first time that because Spider Man was the highest grossing movie in 2002 it was the first time a movie in the year a Star Wars film was released at the box office didn't finish as the number one movie of the year
1: in fact it was the third highest grossing movie of the year
0: yes what was the second highest grossing movie of the year?
1: Give me a second, I'll I'll have the answer for you. Okay. These okay, there was the third highest grossing movie of the year, with eight hundred twenty one point seven million, behind Lord of the Rings: The Two Towers. Oh,
0: okay. Yeah. And
1: Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets.
0: Okay, so we're going by what worldwide, worldwide gross. Okay, so Spider Man wasn't even the top three worldwide. Oh, that was something.
1: Oh, he was. Uh, Spider Man was the top three. Okay. Yeah, it was Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, then Spider-Man. Okay. And then Star Wars, Attack of the Clones, Men in Black 2, Die Another Day, Signs, Ice Age, by Big Fat Greek Wedding, and Minority Report round out the top ten.
0: Okay. Now, this finished at $402 million, which was the highest grossing movie ever for Sony, until it was passed in 2017 by Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle, which made $404 million. But recently, it has now reclaimed its spot as Sony's highest-grossing movie. I'm guessing probably due to re-releases due to the COVID-19 pandemic.
1: I'm guessing so, too. It just seems like a lot of movies were re-released to the theater. I remember Avatar was a prime example of that. Before Avatar was re-released, Avengers Endgame was the highest-grossing worldwide film ever. And it has since reclaimed that title because of a release in China, I believe.
0: Yes. So Spider-Man now, as of 2021, has made $407,022,860 at the U.S. domestic box office. That is a lot of money.
1: That's a lot of cheese for your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Oh, yes.
0: But also... One thing I want to note is one of the person that was behind the scenes of this movie. So now I want to talk about one of the people that was working as an associate producer in the movie. Now, he was hired initially as an associate producer for X-Men because one of the executive producers of that movie, Warren Shuler Donner, had worked with him on Volcano... And you've got mail. And she knew that he had an extensive knowledge of the history of Marvel. And so they hired him on the first X-Men movie as an associate producer. And he did such a good job that Marvel decided, you know what? How about we use you as an associate producer in our next movie in Spider-Man for Sony? And they did. And that guy's name was Kevin Feige. Hmm,
1: that name sounds Painfully familiar. Who knew that he would become the Albert R. Cubby Broccoli of the Marvel Cinematic Universe?
0: Yeah. Oh, and one fact I noticed on IMDb. Now, Hugh Jackman, speaking of X-Men, revealed that he was supposed to have a brief cameo in the movie as Wolverine. But Jackman actually showed up in New York to film the scene. But the entire plan was scrapped when the crew couldn't get access to his Wolverine costume from X-Men. Yep. That would have been awesome. And also, this movie, fun fact, is the first movie to showcase the iconic Flipping Pages Marvel logo at the beginning of the movie.
1: And an interesting thing, because the trailer for this movie came out in, if I'm not mistaken, summer of 2001. we We can't talk about this movie without talking about the trailer. The teaser trailer showed a helicopter being trapped in a spider's web. And the spider's web was being held together by the World Trade Center Twin Towers. That was released about three or four months before the events of September 11th. And they basically had to recall the teaser trailer and all the press materials. Because one of the main sort of standouts in the... Press material was the World Trade Center. So they had to get rid of that. I mean.
0: Understandably. Yeah. But as I mentioned, this movie made a lot of money in the theater. And it made a lot of money on DVD. And you can actually get this movie in a couple of very different variations on DVD. There's like a two disc version in both widescreen and pan and scan. But why would you get the Pan and Scan version now?
1: No. no. You, if you, it, it's 2002. If you're going to get a DVD of a movie, you get it in the widescreen, and watch it in the way it was intended.
0: Yeah. And this is a very loaded DVD. You have commentaries. You have all the TV spots. You have the theatrical trailers. You have HBO making of Spider-Man. You have an E! Entertainment Spider-Man special. You also have documentaries on the history of the comic book. It is just amazing. And you also have, on the movie, you also have like a pop-up video style trivia track on there. And also, there's a DVD-ROM feature that includes a countdown to Spider-Man 2. I don't think that works anymore. Mm -hmm. You can still find the original DVD of Spider-Man fairly cheaply. I actually last week was in New Jersey and I was at like a, a Big Lots and they had like maybe like 10 or 15 copies of that two disc Spider-Man widescreen edition on DVD. Oh yeah. You can get it for like probably like five bucks easily. It's worth a bar, Or you could go to Goodwill and get it for like two bucks. And also in 2004, to piggyback on the release of Spider-Man 2, They've released the two-disc special edition with a bonus third disc with a preview for Spider-Man 2 and a sneak yeah. peek along with the trailer, along with some extras on the first Spider-Man movie. And also, fun fact, it came with a DVD-ROM demo of the first level of the Spider-Man 2 video game.
1: Yeah, which actually pr- plays really well.
0: Oh, yeah. We'll talk yep. about the Spider-Man 2 game into our next episode.
1: Yep. I still have a copy of the GameCube version of the Spider-Man 2 film. Pizza time. Good, good stuff.
0: And also, I would be remiss if I did not mention that you could also get Spider-Man on DVD. In And how many times am I ever going to talk about this on a podcast? Super Bit DVD.
1: Oh God, you're gonna you're gonna give everybody a 30 second lesson on Superbit DVDs, aren't you? Yes,
0: Superbit was like this it wasn't necessarily a format. It was basically like it was basically Sony's like excuse of releasing a DVD, but it has no extras. It barely has any extras at all, but it has a higher bit rate and better audio sound quality. It has a giant DTS like surround stereo track and everything, Uh it's supposed to be like, oh, this is like the best you can get in 2002 before Blu-ray. Yep. And well, you can get them at thrift stores easily for like three or four bucks. You really can. Yeah, and also, come on. These were retailing like for $30 brand new. Are you really going to spend $30 on a DVD that has no extras just so you can say, hey, look, I have a to show it off. On your like one tube TV. Yeah. I this mean... was mainly just if you had like a high end HD TV or surrounds down. It was basically for those geeks, which was probably like a niche market back in the early 2000s.
1: Or if you wanted to uh, get a copy for the sake of completion.
0: Yeah, like me. I got it for like five bucks easily on eBay. But there is one extra, if you want to get the Superbit DVD, there is like an exclusive extra, actually, that's not on the regular Spider-Man DVD. There's actually a commentary track with Tobey Maguire and J.K. Simmons on the Superbit version that was released as an exclusive on the DVD-ROM portion of the original Spider-Man DVD that they put on the Superbit DVD.
1: That's probably the only real extra worth mentioning for the super bit
0: yeah because there's like nothing there's like no extras at all on the super bit dvd and but also if you don't want to get it D- or if, if you're like a blu-ray snub and you want like the biggest picture quality and all all the extras on the dvds have been ported over to the various blu-ray versions of spider-man one so yeah But on the Blu-ray version of Spider-Man 1, you get a Spider-Sense Trivia Challenge. Rise to the ultimate web-slinking challenge as you test Spider-Man movie knowledge in this over-feature game. Do you have the Spider-Sense to achieve the highest score? Probably not. All right, so that's Spider-Man 1. So do we have any final thoughts about the first Spider-Man movie?
1: It's sort of a contradiction in terms, really. Because it seems the story is timeless, yet the movie itself is dated.
0: Yeah, that's true. Especially with all those ads in Times Square for, like, Palm and Singular Wireless. Fun fact, when I got the Spider-Man DVD in 2002, it actually came with, like, a giant sticker for Singular Wireless.
1: Oh, another fun fact for you. David Kep was the writer of Spider-Man, obviously. And this is what... The uh, shooting script says on the first page: "This material is the exclusive property of Columbia Pictures Entertainment. Unauthorized transfer, photocopying, or reading of this material will result in the growth of a large yellow pustules on your fingertips and hands. Which, given your habitual self abuse, don't did you think we didn't know?" Will students spread to your genitalia? Also, posting, reading, or discussing the screenplay on the internet is a sure sign that you have failed to fill your empty life with worthwhile activities on your own, and it may be too late for you. Don't blame us. You were warned.
0: I'm sure it got leaked anyway.
1: Oh, yeah, totally. But hey, just a preview of things to come with uh, David Kep and his twisted sense of humor.
0: Yeah. So that's going to do it for... Spider-Man 1, and we'll come back next time on the Place to Be Nation Pop experience as we discuss the sequel, Spider-Man 2 from 2004 right here next time
1: Yep. until then, for Greg Diener and everybody at Place to Be Nation Pop I'm Chico Alexander inviting you to join us next time as we do another deep dive into the Spidey Movieverse
0: They say that a hero can (laughs) save us! Nickel, (laughs) save us! This was back
1: when it was acceptable to like Nickel back!